Looking at our world from a theological perspective, this is the Theology Central Podcast, making Theology Central. Good morning, everyone. It is Wednesday, December the 22nd, 2021. It is currently 10.07 a.m. Central Time, and I'm coming to you live from the empty sanctuary of Victory Baptist Church located right here in Ovalo, Texas. And welcome again to our Bible study exercise for this week. And all this week, we have been focusing on Luke chapter 2. And what I absolutely love about the Bible study exercises is every time we start one, whenever like, okay, this week we're going to begin studying this passage of Scripture, I never really know where it's going to go. I, I don't I don't really, really know what direction the study is going to go because so much of it is determined by those who participate in the Bible study exercise and those who listen. So I, I may have in my mind, okay, I think we're going to cover this. I think we're going to talk about this. And then, you know, I do the introduction, you know, lesson for the Bible study exercise. And then the next thing I know, based off emails, I'm like, wait a minute. That just took a very interesting turn. I didn't think we were going to end up there. So I, I love that because it just makes every Bible study exercise unique. Every Bible study exercise is different in how we approach the text. And you get to really determine a lot about what we do and how we cover it. So I, I love that. I think it makes it interesting. I think it makes the podcast super interesting. And hopefully it makes it very beneficial because typically what I've discovered, if one person is out there saying, hey, what about this? Or asking a question or bringing something up, there's probably hundreds of people out there with those same questions, those same thoughts, or those same struggles. So you bringing anything up really just, really, you probably are helping out 100, 200, 300, who knows how many hundreds of people you're helping out. So I I hope that what we're getting ready to do in this Bible study exercise episode will be beneficial. That's always the hope for for all of them. If for some reason you're brand new to the Bible study exercises, remember there is curriculum available. If you would like access to the curriculum, it's free. Simply email me, newsif at yahoo.com, newsif at yahoo.com, and I will send you a link, and then you just go to ministrygrid.com. You'll sign up. It's free, and then you'll have access to all of the curriculum, and hopefully those who, who have access to the curriculum, you're using it, you're looking at it this week um, as we study Luke chapter 2, all right? Now, before we do anything else, before we look at what's in front of us, because I think this should be super interesting, before we do this, I have to ask you a very important question. Now, I know you're going to immediately give me the church answer, right? The church answer is you're going to be like, no, none. You can't do that at all. You're, you're going to be very dogmatic, but I want you to really think about it because I think sometimes we, we know the right answer, but we don't really think that way. We just, we've been trained to give certain answers as Christians because we, we've been in the church. You're like, okay, this is the answer I'm supposed to give. But in reality, deep down, we don't truly believe that. I know you may say that's not fair, but I think I think there's a little bit of truth to that. That's why I hate church answers. But are you ready? Here we go. Here's the question. How much can you add to the Bible? 
How much can you actually add to the Bible? Now, I know what you're going to say. None. You can't add anything to the Bible. Absolutely not. Do not add to God's word. Do not subtract from God's word. You cannot do that. Okay, yes, thank you. You've got the church answer. But I want you to really think about this. Because I think there are plenty of situations where things are added and subtracted from God's word. And it happens almost every year. And no one gets upset. No one gets bothered. No one raises, uh, you know, any kind of argument. There's, there, there's no, there's no controversy. It just happens, and everyone moves on. And it happens especially during this time of year, because it's Christmas time. So in many churches, you'll have a little Christmas pageant, a little Christmas play where you get the kids and, oh, okay, she's going to be Mary. Oh, look, oh, how cute. He's going to be Joseph. And, and we're going to act out the Christmas story. Now, in many cases, those dramatized version of the Christmas story either adds or subtracts and everyone's too busy taking videos on their phone and taking pictures going, ooh, look how cute, look how cute. Nobody cares if, if it's accurate. Nobody, as long as it gets some of the, the basic elements, everyone's good with it. No, no, one, no one raises any questions. Go, well, wait a minute, wait a minute. I don't think, wait, were the wise men there at that? Wait, I don't think they, and you start asking questions. People are like, oh, you're being too picky. I'm like, wait, I thought we weren't supposed to add to God's, well, no, we're not supposed to add, we're not adding to God's word. We're just, what? <laughs> Putting on a play, supposedly demonstrating the biblical account, but you're adding and subtracting. But see, if you do that, you're the bad guy and you just hate fun and, and, and you know, you're, you're the Scrooge and, and you're, you, you should just go, go away and, and just let everyone have their fun. And, and, but nobody raises any questions. If you have a hit television series, a hit online streaming series about the life of Jesus, right? And, and, and you even get one of the uh, episodes at a movie theater and, and millions of people buy tickets and you make millions of dollars. Wait a minute, but it's, it's, a, it's a popular series. Yes, the movie is making all kinds of money, but here's the question I have since it's about the life of Jesus. Are you adding or subtracting? And you say, wait a minute, there, there, there's a character in this that I don't think is ever mentioned in the Bible. Wait, this dialogue here, we have no record of that ever happening between Peter or Jesus or, or, any, or any of the other characters. And people say, wait a minute, you're just being too judgmental. You're being, you're, no, it's no big deal. I'm like, you're adding to God's word. No, 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 we're not. It's just a wonderful television series. It's just a, it's a wonderful web-based online series for streaming. It's great. It tells everyone about Jesus. This is amazing. This is awesome. It, it made me cry. It made me laugh. It, I, I learned so much. And you're like, you learn so much about in a series that added and subtracted from God's word. No, it, it didn't touch the Bible. No, it just took the Bible and added and subtracted to it and to make their dramatized version of it for their web-based streaming series or, you know, where wh whatever streaming service it may be. You get the idea. Their TV series they, they added and subtracted or their movie. Now, some people, some people in the church, when they hear people complain like that, they just think, oh, you're being super spiritual. You're being pharisaical. You're being all judgmental. But again, I ask the question, how much can you add and how much can you subtract? Wait, oh, there, there's another place that happens. So it may happen in the Christmas play, the Christmas pageant. 
It may happen on the new hit television series that everyone's talking about in regards to the life of Jesus and how much everybody loves it and that it's now at the movie theater and it's making millions of dollars. Nobody's going to raise any questions. You know, it happens there and no one's going to raise any questions, but I think it happens somewhere else. It happens behind many pulpits. And this one, I understand because I have probably been guilty of this very same thing. You have a passage of scripture, a passage of scripture that is maybe a historical narrative. And you've got to preach that historical narrative. And you want to preach that historical narrative and you want to bring the historical narrative to life. And so a lot of times when you start preaching it and you kind of start, you kind of, here's the text and you kind of start retelling the story A lot of times you dramatize it. You add maybe something in it for dramatic effect, to get people interested, to make people laugh, or to make people feel the tension in the historical narrative. Now, you're you're not trying to add anything to God's word. You're not trying to subtract, but you have a tendency to paint it, right? Like you you pull out all of your your paintbrushes and you're like, you add a little color here and add a little, add a little bit here. And you're not really trying to add to God's word. You're just trying to get everyone to go, oh yeah, okay, yeah, you really made that story come alive. But what did you do to the story? Because if, if you, if people walk away from your telling of the story and now they see that story through that lens from that point forward and it's not completely accurate, well, you've added to God's word. Now, I've done that so many times, especially in Old Testament stories where you, you start retelling the story. How many times have pastors preached uh, the story of David's sin, of David's fall, of David's adultery, that he walks out there on the roof and he sees her bathing? I've heard the story preached so many ways. Like she knew that David came out on the roof, you know, at that time of night. So you almost make her like she was seducing David. Then some will say David knew that she bathed at that time. And he came out there night after night after night watching her. Like, But you're coloring it. You don't know. You don't know what's going on. So you can't. That's called speculation. You're adding. And the only problem is some people who hear the preaching they they now will read that story from that point forward through the color that you placed upon the text. How much can you add? How much can you subtract? Everyone says none. Everyone says you can't add or subtract at all. That's God forbids that. But then there's all these little special situations where it happens year after year after year after year. And for the most part, no one really cares. So I'm going to ask you again, how much can you add? How much can you subtract? Now we are talking about this. See, this is a Bible study exercise on Luke chapter two, right? But we're taking this very interesting turn. And we've taken this turn, one, because of an email from one of our listeners, which I'm very grateful they sent. And uh, we're, we're going to look at that email, but uh, I think it's another reason we should be talking about this. It's just because this week we're studying Luke chapter 2. And we know when you open up the Bible to Luke chapter 2, there's almost, whether, whether people want to acknowledge it or not, there's almost like, oh, I know Luke chapter 2. I know Luke chapter 2. And because Luke chapter 2 is talked about so much this time of year, it can be very tempting from pastors, Sunday school teachers to say, okay, how can I, how can I really bring this story to life? And we start, we pull out our, our paintbrushes and, and we, you know, our colored pencils and we start 
adding some color. Let me give you an example. Luke chapter 2, verse 1. And it came to pass in those days that there went out a decree from Caesar Augustus that all the world should be taxed. And this taxing was first made when Serenius was governor of Syria. And all went to be taxed, every one into his own city. And Joseph also went up from Galilee out of the city of Nazareth into Judea, unto the city of David, which is called Bethlehem, because he was of the house and lineage of David, to be taxed with Mary, his espoused wife, being great with child. And so it was that while they were there, the days were accomplished that she should be delivered. And she brought forth her firstborn son, wrapped him in swaddling clothes, and laid him in a manger because there was no room for them in the inn. Because there was no room for them in the inn. You take those words and you're like, okay, I can make this very relatable to everyone, right? See, here's Mary and Joseph, and they're, they're traveling to Bethlehem, and she's great with child, and all of a sudden, her contractions get stronger and stronger and stronger, and her water breaks, and Joseph's like, what are we going to do? What are we going to do? Oh, no, I don't know what to do. Oh, wait, there's an inn up there, and he runs to the inn, and he goes in. And he's like, I need a room. I need a room. I'm sorry. We don't have any room, but my wife, she's having a baby. I'm sorry. We, there's just nothing I can do. Hey, there's, there's a manger over there. Okay, we'll go over there, and then they run to the manger, and boom, have the baby. Now, are you like that innkeeper this week? Are you like this innkeeper this Christmas where there is no room in your heart for Jesus? There is no room in your life for Jesus? Are you like that bad innkeeper who couldn't make room for Jesus? You've got your life and your house filled up with so much garbage. There's no room for Jesus. Now, that, that preach is good, right? That preach is good. That takes the Christmas story and makes it very like, oh, wow. I remember when I was a, a teenager, I had a devotional, and, and it, it had a profound impact on me. But it basically took the story, hey, don't be like the innkeeper where all of the rooms of your life are filled up with things and there's no room for Jesus. So then the devotional goes through like, here's your, your, you know, the, the room of entertainment. Here's the living room. Here's the bedroom. And they went through all the different rooms saying of all the things that you can have filled up in those rooms. So there's no room for Jesus. Now it became you could, you could talk about the devotional that it, maybe it was more more moralism than it was Bible study. It was more legalism in some ways, but 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 it still had a profound impact on me, and I'm still grateful for it in many ways. But it used this basic concept, and this has been used and preached obviously in church after church after church. It's the go-to thing to do, but is it really accurate? Are we coloring? Are we adding? Maybe what the text never intended. In other words, if the writer of, of, of Luke was, the, was, the, was present and like, wait a minute, uh, I, I, that, no, what, wait, what, what are you doing with that? That I, no, 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 no. You misunderstand everything. How many times, I wonder if the, if the writers of, of the New Testament were to show up in many churches and hear the preaching, how, how, how many of the writers would be totally just horrified going, what are they doing with what? I wrote, they, they're completely mishandling it and misinterpreting it and misapplying it. That's not what I intended. So what can we do? Well, here's the reason we're asking the question. 
here's the reason we're asking the question. I'm going to open up my email here because I received this email yesterday at 2.45 p.m. And we've already talked about it in previous episodes, but we're going to talk about it again today because, well, we've got something very interesting that's we're getting ready to do. Here we go. Um, it says, I was, uh, I just taught Luke chapter two at Sunday school last week. They, uh, and the curriculum that they were using, they point out how there's no mention of an innkeeper, but every production of the birth of Christ has an innkeeper. I went to a Christmas Eve service at a local Baptist church two years ago, and they even had someone dressed up as the innkeeper to tell the account of the night Jesus was born. I'm sure you've already studied this. The Greek word for "n" is only mentioned two other times in the New Testament, and both times it's referring to the guest room where the disciples have the Last Supper. So the translators decision to use the word in did a lot to shape how we view that night. We all grew up thinking that Mary and Joseph ride in on donkeys, arrive in Bethlehem just in time for her to go into labor, and they rush to find the inn, only to find out that it's so full that they go to the shed or barn out back. But if they had used guest room and the translation, we may have come up with other images. Plus, the Luke account reads as though they were already there when the days were completed for her to give birth. So how much have we shaded the story? What do we actually do with the word in? Now, I, t- I gave everyone an assignment to look up the Greek word, to look up where, uh, how, where in is used elsewhere. We talked about what the in actu- possibly actually was, and it's far different a thing than the way we picture it. We picture it like a, a, a motel, and it probably was, even if you go with the word in, it was some, some, th- something completely different, and most likely we should translate it guest room, which really changes the whole story dramatically, which really changes the story. So how, what have we done with the text? Well, there's a lot there we could just dig into and we could, I could work through the Greek and we, we, could, we could go through a lot of that, but I think it gave you a lot of information yesterday. I still want you to work on some of the assignments yourself, but here's what happened. Late last night, I'm laying down, it's around midnight, and I'm listening to different podcasts, and I come to the Crosswalk Daily Devotional Podcast, and I'm like, oh, okay, all right, let me let me listen to a, a late night devotional here, right? Well, I started it, and they were like, hey, uh, basically, it's Christmas time. You need to check out the Characters of Christmas podcast right? You need to check this out immediately and you're going to meet all of the characters of Christmas. And they start naming all of the characters that we can learn about in the podcast, the characters of Christmas. And guess who is mentioned? Yes, we can meet the innkeeper. Wow. So a Christian podcast, so I can learn about all the characters of the Christmas story, including the innkeeper. Now, I know you're probably thinking, well, about time someone did a podcast about the innkeeper because he's mentioned so many times in scripture. I mean, you think someone would be, oh, wait, is he ever mentioned? Was there an innkeeper? What, how could you do a podcast about the innkeeper? (laughs) I mean, so literally we can, I mean, what can you do? What, well, you know what? I went and found that podcast and guess what I have here? I have the episode, The Innkeeper Making Room for Jesus. 
and we are going to review it. I have not reviewed it. I woke up this morning, drove here to the church, immediately started looking for it. Or I, I know I found it. Actually, I got out of bed at midnight, found it, sent it to my email. When I got here to the church, then I went to my email, then went to the podcast, downloaded it, and then uploaded it here in my soft, so in my, in my uh, studio software. That's the exact timeline because I was like, wait a minute, I got to find this right now. So I went and looked for it. Then I, and then I found the link, sent, put it to my email so that this morning when I got here to the church, all I needed to do was go to my email and download it. I have not listened to any, well, I've only listened to the first one minute and one second, and all of those are commercials, right? For a new series on the Peacock streaming service. Um, I can't remember what else. There was a bunch of commercials, so we skipped all of the commercials, and then right when they get ready to start, that's where I have it queued up, and we're just going to listen, because this is crosswalk.com. I mean, that's a a major Christian website. A lot of people go to crosswalk.com on a regular, consistent basis. They even have subscription services, so you can get their plus articles. So they're, they, and they're obviously, you know, they're, they're, they've got a business model and I'm assuming they've got enough people subscribing for them to make some money. So a lot of people go to crosswalk.com to get, to get information about the Bible. A lot of people subscribe to the crosswalk devotional so they can learn about the Bible. Well, this is an organization that just sent you to a podcast <laughs> where they did an episode on the innkeeper. Now, maybe this is going to be the most biblical study of the innkeeper we've ever heard. I'm somewhat suspicious considering it's 20 minutes long. I don't know what you can say for 20 minutes about the innkeeper, but I, uh, it'll be interesting. Maybe they're going to be very historically accurate here. I don't know. So I, I guess I, I'll put it this way. You can hear that I'm cynical. You can hear that I'm I'm doubting that this is going to be good. Maybe I should not do that, okay? That's me. I, I'm already pulling out my paintbrushes and I'm already painting this. Maybe I should not do that, okay? So I'm just, but I'm just trying to be transparent with you. I'm thinking this is getting ready to be an absolute utter dumpster fire, but I'm hoping, I'm hoping to be proven wrong. But you know one thing I'm going to do? I'm going to give them every opportunity to prove me wrong, because we're going to listen to everything they have to say. All right. Does that make sense? All right. Here we go. Thinking cabs on Luke chapter two. This is where we meet the innkeeper, right? We meet the innkeeper with these words because there was no room for them in the inn. Now I'm going to be interested. Do they deal with the Greek word for inn? Do they deal with the fact that many would say that shouldn't be in, that should be translated guest room? Are they going to deal with what the inn actually was most likely at that period of time, even if you translated in and if it was guest room? Are, are they going to really go into all of that? I'm skeptical. Hopefully I'll be proven wrong. This is from the Characters of Christmas podcast. And uh, here we go. The innkeeper making room for Jesus. Let's listen. Let's discuss. If you are listening live this Wednesday morning, uh, you can jump into the chat and offer your thoughts, your perspective, or you can even share your stories about how you have learned about the innkeeper so many different times in your Christian walk. I would love to hear those stories as well. Here we go. The Characters of Christmas podcast with Dan Darling is brought to you by Life Audio and is part of our Faith Toolkit series. For more inspirational, faith-affirming podcasts, visit lifeaudio.com. 
Well, I want to welcome you back to this podcast about the characters of Christmas. I hope you're enjoying it. I hope you're enjoying this Christmas season, listening to beautiful music of the season, enjoying uh, kind of the festivities. I think this year, 2020, we need Christmas more than we've we've needed it in other years. I'll stop right here. This this is one thing I found interesting. They. I guess they did this, I guess they did it in 2020 and they're just advertising it again in 2021. It doesn't sound like they, they, they recorded new episodes in 2021 because when I went and looked, I saw two episodes in 2021, it appears, but they're just, I, I didn't listen to them, but they're the names of popular Christmas hymns, uh, Christmas songs. And so I'm, I'm assuming it's just a couple of episodes about some popular Christmas songs, Christmas hymns. But I didn't see anything about the characters of Christmas in the new in the new episodes. You have to go back to 2020. So I, I guess that's when they did it. They didn't do it again this year. Doesn't matter ultimately when they did it. But 2020, I do find it interesting that a lot of churches were saying we need Christmas more than ever. I don't really know what that means. Hey, we're in a really bad time. We need Christmas more than ever. I I, I don't care if we were like all millionaires. Uh, we all had a mansion, uh, the perfect spouse, the perfect kids, a, a white picket fence, two dogs, a cat, two cars, a boat. I, I, don't, I, don't, I don't care how great everything was going. Wouldn't we still need Christmas as much as ever? Because isn't Christmas about Christ coming to save sinners? So no matter how good the year is, no matter how bad the year is, we need Christmas because Christmas is about the incarnation of Jesus to save people from their sins. It, it's always weird how sometimes we talk about, like, we need this magical time of year. We need the, the festivities. We need the lights. We, and it's like, you, I think you're missing the point. Christmas is not about any of that. It's, one, if, it's great if you find pleasure in that. But what we need Christmas every year, no matter what is happening, because we need to be reminded that God sent his son to save you and me because of our sin. He didn't come to save us from a depressing year. He didn't come to save us because, oh, it's been difficult and we need a time of festivity. <laughs> what? Christmas is about the incarnation of Jesus. I, I think sometimes even Christians miss, I don't know what happens here. I, 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 so that just bothers me to no end. It just really does. Oh, we really needed Christmas this year. No, you needed Christmas every year because you need a savior every year because you're a sinner every year. So, right. That, just, just a little pet. I know, I know what you're saying. You're too picky. You're too, I understand. I can be, I can be. Maybe I, maybe I am too picky sometimes, but some things just bother me uh, greatly. All right. So here, here we go. Um, and I hope you're getting your heart ready with expectation and hope for what God will do in Jesus this year. Well, today I'd like to talk. Okay. See, this, man. all right. I have a heart. See this. All right. I've got to explain this. You probably have already picked this up. I don't really fit in well within the world of Christianity. I just don't because almost everything Christianity does just bothers me and irritates me. I know I shouldn't be that way, 
But sometimes I just look at Christianity and the way Christians talk, the things they say, I just look at it like what? It's some weird world that I don't understand. So, so get your heart ready. Get your heart ready with great expectation of what God is going to do through Jesus this year. What, what are you talking? What, what are you talking about? Are you saying that, okay, it's been a really bad year. You get your heart ready and God's going to do something great for you this year through Jesus. The Christmas story is about what Jesus did and coming in the flesh in order to die to save you from your sin. I think, I think we look, Jesus came to save me from a bad marriage, from, from depression, from, it's like, he came to save you from your sin. He came to save you from your sin. He came to save you from your sin. I, I just don't get it. It's like so many times I listen to, to Christian podcasts or to pastors and I know, I know, I know I don't talk like a pastor. I know I don't do a podcast like Christian podcast. I know I don't do anything the way I'm supposed to. I know I am like, I'm like a square peg and a round hole. I know I don't, I'm, I'm, I'm always been the, the odd one out. And, uh, I just, I just don't, I just don't get it. I just, I just don't get it. I, I don't, I don't understand. Someone left a comment and then they disappeared. So I don't, I don't, I hope uh, everything, I hope everything is good. But, uh, someone, someone left a comment. They were laughing. I hope they were laughing with me, not laughing at me. I, I, I hope so. But yeah, the comment disappeared. So I, I don't know. So, but, but, uh, I just, I just, I don't know what that means. Like, get your heart ready with expectation for what God is going to do this year through Jesus. Like, what in the world are you talking about? It just, sometimes it just sounds like, just, uh, uh, you know, just throw out words. And you're like, well, wait, time out, time out. So you're telling me that if I get my heart ready for expectation, that on Christmas morning, God's going to do something special this year through Jesus? Or no, God sent Jesus to save me from my sin. That, I, okay, whatever. All right. <laughs> okay. All right, good. All right. They're laughing because I'm so passionate. No, I'm, I'm calm. See, I'm, I'm, I'm the podcast for calm people. All right. No, okay. Yeah, I, 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 sometimes I feel bad. <laughs> like if you listen to my two hours yesterday where we reviewed that sermon about a COVID apology, yeah, I, I, by the end of those, I sometimes feel bad because I do think sometimes my passion may overshadow what I'm trying to do. I try, I try to keep it in check. I'm far better than I was when I was younger. Okay. I'm far better. I, I'm a little, I'm a little better at controlling it, but it's just some of these things. It's just, I, I can just, and, and it just brings back such bad memories when we moved to Texas and we, we went, to, we visited church after church, after church, after church, after church. And I just remember like every time I was sitting there, I'm just like, what, what is this? Like just everything that was said and the way it was said, it's just like, I don't fit in here at all. Like this is like some alien experience. So when I hear, you know, your heart ready with expectation of what God is going to do this new year through Jesus. It just, it just, it's just to me, it's words without any really true meaning. And it's giving, it's giving an expectation to people that, okay, if I get my heart ready, God's going to do something great this year through Jesus. The Christmas story is of what God has done through Jesus in the past. He sent his son 
His son kept the law for you because that law condemns you and you can never keep it. And then he suffered and died to pay for your sins. And then by my faith in him, then I get the imputed passive and active obedience of Christ. My sins are forgiven. That's what he has done. It's just so weird. Like, so Christmas isn't about what Jesus has done. Christmas is about what Jesus is getting ready to do. And I don't really know what in the world they're talking about. All right, we haven't even got to the innkeeper yet. We've got to get to the innkeeper. Mr. Innkeeper is waiting for us to meet him so we can learn all about Mr. Innkeeper, all right? And just remember, this podcast is a part of their faith toolkit. You need these podcasts to build your toolkit so you can live out your Christian life. At this point, you may want to throw away this toolkit because it may be dangerous, but we'll see. I could be wrong. I could be wrong. This could turn out to be the greatest explanation of the innkeeper ever given in the history of Christianity. But I'm skeptical. Here we go. About a really intriguing character, and uh, that is the innkeeper. Uh, what an intriguing person that is. Now, to be to be clear, we really don't know if there was an innkeeper or anything. It's 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 more of a kind of a product of tradition or kind of what we're reading into the story in Luke. <laughs> oh my goodness. Okay. Hey, we're going to meet this really intriguing character. Now, now to be fair, we don't really know much about him. <laughs> to be fair, there's nothing really said about him. It's really kind of a part of tradition and what we read into the story, but we're still just going to go ahead with it, right? Hey, it's not really there in the Bible, but hey, that would never stop us, right? That would not stop us from having a good podcast. <laughs> what in the world? Hey, it's it's not really there, but hey, that's okay. We're, we're still going to spend 19 minutes talking about someone who we don't even really know if he existed, <laughs> but we're going to spend 19 minutes because, because, hey, if it works, here's the thing. Oh, man. Okay. Here's the thing, pastor, and I and as and I and I always put this back in the context of pastors because I know the temptation. I've been there. I've fallen into the trap. So I don't say this as someone who who acts like I've never made these mistakes. I know sometimes it's it's all about making sure you have a sermon more than you have an actual study of scripture. There's pressure. You've got to have that sermon. You've got to have a sermon. So, hey, okay, what do I do? What? Oh, the innkeeper. Boom, let's go. It's more about, I can preach this, man. I can preach this. He didn't have room for Jesus. How many of you this evening on this Christmas Eve service or Christmas Day service, how, how many of your lives are so filled with so much garbage, you don't have any room for Jesus? Let's not be like the innkeeper. Oh, you can come up with two or three points. You can have a, a powerful closing illustration. You can have a good sermon and everyone will walk by going, oh, pastor, that was so convicting. Oh, thank you so much. And then it, it'll get shared all over the internet. Oh, what a what a great convicting sermon. Oh, that was so awesome. And you're like, yeah. It was a sermon that had nothing to do with actual the study of Scripture. I cannot stress it enough. There is a difference between having a podcast episode, right, but not actually dealing with the text. There's a difference between having a great sermon that checks all the boxes, with inflection of voice, this, 
humor, emotion. Dra- you, 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 you put together the perfect sermon. Everyone loves it. But when it's over, what did you actually get from the scriptures? I'll never forget uh, uh, Twin Cities Baptist Church, Papillion, Nebraska. We had a guest speaker came in and he preached on one of the churches in Revelation. I don't remember which one. And I, as the sermon was going on and on, I just kept sitting there and I just, I kept putting notes in my, in my notebook going, what does this have to do with the text? This, like, I don't even know what this is about. And he ranted and raved about, I don't know, all kinds of different things. And, and he told funny stories and illustrations. And everyone in the congregation was just eating it up that this was amazing, 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 amazing. And I was sitting there. We haven't learned anything about this church. He gave us some basic information. I don't even know if that information is accurate. And I just sat there. And when it was over, I, I remember to, you know, many of the people talking. That was one of the greatest sermons I've ever heard on Revelation 3 or whichever chapter. It was amazing. It was awesome. And I just, I, walk, I went, I never forget getting home just going, I can't be a preacher. I, I, there's, there's no way. I, if that's preaching, I'm finished. I'm done. That's a performance. We didn't learn anything about Revelation. We didn't learn one thing. But, it, but he, he, he hit all the things you're supposed to do and being a good public speaker. So th- this kind of thing, like, hey, it's not really, now at least he's honest. Hey, we don't really know anything, but that's not going to stop them. And I think there's a, a lot of pastors, hey, I, I'm not, I, may, I may not really have much Bible here, but I can get that good sermon. And as long as you get the good sermon, people in the pew, they're more worried about a good sermon than they are actually study of scripture. And I, it drives me crazy. All right, here we go chapter 2. But you have to imagine that um, uh, there was somebody there that turned away Jesus and Mary that night. Let's first talk about... Okay, I don't know what in the world all that sound was. That wasn't coming from us. That was something from their microphone. I'm going to back that up because I was like, what is that sound? Okay, I was like, what has happened here? Um, I understand when you can have technical problems, so I'm not going to be critical there. Now, I want you to make sure you hear what he said. There had to be somewhere, someone that night to turn them away. Let's just make sure we realize that's not completely accurate. Depending on what the guest room, the inn was, there was at least one possibility that all it was was like a, a shelter there along like the side of the road. It had like a, maybe a, a wall and like a roof and like a raised floor, but there was no innkeeper there. You just came in and found a spot, and when you left, you're supposed to leave like food or water, that kind of thing. There wasn't like a, hey, I, I'm checking in. So to say that there was someone there turning them away, no, they, they there they would have been turned away because there was no room in that quote-unquote inn. So then nobody would have turned them away. It would have just have been un, unforeseen circumstances. There's no room here, okay? So let's... Let's make sure we're accurate there. And then if it was a guest room, in other words, they were staying with like family and, and, and remember there's possibly it was like a two-story house. The top floor is where everybody stayed and the bottom floor is where they kept the animals and they kept them enclosed to keep them safe. Um, 
Yeah, and we're right. And if it was just the upstairs versus the downstairs, it wouldn't have been a turnaway. Great point. Uh, someone listening is putting that point out. Yeah, if, if, it, if it's the structure that we think it was, it was basically a house and upstairs was like all the family and there was just no room and they went downstairs, they would still have been in an enclosed shelter that would have been safe. Yes, I understand you're staying with the animals. You may be like, well, that wouldn't have been pleasant. I understand that, but obviously you're, you're, you're trying to look at it from our perspective versus that culture at that time. But the point was that there wouldn't have been anyone turning them away again. There'd have been, hey, get out, go downstairs. There ain't no room up here for you, okay? We got no room for your baby Jesus. Get downstairs. Okay, that, like it, it wasn't something like that. I don't know why I'm using that kind of accent. Grumpy old man, I guess. It wasn't something like that. So he's already made the assumption, well, someone had to turn them away. Well, Based off what? Okay, like, hey, I, I look, I'm just a nobody in the middle of nowhere, but I think everyone has this thing called the internet. You probably could do a little research before you do your podcast to have some idea. Or look, if you don't know, turn on your microphone and go, hey, guys, we're going to possibly talk about the innkeeper this year. Hey, uh, I'm going to give all you the ability to t- look and study. Let me know what you find. And then in the next episode, we'll talk about what we discover. Hey, I use the people listening to my podcast all the time to do all of the homework. All right, here we go. Uh, There was somebody there that turned away Jesus and Mary that night. Let's first talk about this harrowing night. Now, I don't know about you, but I've had some pretty fitful nights of sleep. Some nights that were what you might say your worst night of sleep. I can think of a couple of them. When we were kids... Uh, our church used to go to this camp in northern Minnesota, uh, and our Christian school went there as well. And we would go uh, not only in the summer, but we'd also go in the spring, like around May. And in May, uh, weather sometimes some years would be warm, some years would be not so warm. Uh, sometimes it'd be rainy, sometimes it'd be sunny. But at night, it definitely cooled down. And most of the time, we stayed in climate-controlled cabins or a dining hall, but uh, we always picked one night to actually camp out under the stars. Um, and so we would build these like temporary shelters and camp out. And I remember the worst night of sleep I had. I brought a sleeping bag that I thought was um, would, was enough to keep me warm. And it turns out when I got there, zipped up in my sleeping bag, I could not get warm and it's hard to sleep when you're cold, just FYI. And so you have the, the decision, do I get close as close to the fire as I can to get warm, but I don't want to get too close because I don't want my sleeping bag to burn. So you're just kind of thinking about it all night and bad night of sleep. The other bad night of sleep I had is I remember when I was part of a traveling singing group in college and we would stay in people's homes and we, uh, went through, Pennsylvania. And I just distinctly remember a really not good accommodations, let's just say. And it made me realize that just because someone is kind enough to let you stay in their home doesn't always mean that you should accept that offer. And then I've had a lot of fitful nights of sleep with it being a father of four children, where especially when they were younger and we had to get up in the middle of the night and, and, and feed them. But even as they're older, you know, they're kind of in junior high, high school, um, kind of age. They'll still get up with leg pains and growing pains or nightmares or things like that that rest you out of your sleep. And the older you get, it's hard to go back to sleep. 
Well, none of that compares to the night that Joseph and Mary had as they're traveling from Nazareth to Bethlehem. Uh, I don't even really know what to say. I have to be honest with you. This podcast that you're listening to, I think it's like in the top 2% of like all podcasts. It's some crazy number. I'm going to be honest with you. Sometimes I'm baffled by what Christian podcasts are so successful. Sometimes I just don't understand. Now, I know they, they, they don't do things like I do and offend the entire world. So I know that in some cases it's my own stupid fault that I could probably be more successful if I would just keep my mouth shut and color within the lines. But what in the world? This night must have been horrible. It must have been horrible for them. It's it's like when I was in camp and I was cold. And then, and then when I was in a singing group, uh, I stayed in these these really bad accommodations. And I mean, it had to be as horrible as that for Mary and Joseph. What in the world? I mean, you, you're at camp. You chose to sleep outside. Why didn't you just pick up your sleeping bag and walk back into the accommodations that the camp already provided? <laughs> Why why did you stay out? Just, hey, guys, it's too cold. I don't care. I'm not sleeping. We're, we're here at camp. I'm going to go back into the the, the 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 whatever rooms we have here at camp. Why did, why did you just do that? Why did you have to worry about getting closer to the fire? Unless you were like really, 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 really far from the camp. And I guess you couldn't get back. But I would have like, hey, camp counselor, I'm too cold. Take me back or I'm going to. Tell my parents that you're trying to kill me in here in the freezing weather. I think they would have probably gotten you back to the camp. All right. So, I I mean, I don't know if that's the exact same situation. Hey, one time at camp, it was really cold. It was horrible. Okay, I, I know sometimes you have to try to find personal illustrations to add to the story. And I know sometimes my personal illustrations are just as much as garbage as that. But I just don't even really know what this has to do with anything. Okay. And now we're getting the, the little... Theme music. I hope we're not getting ready to get commercials because then we're going to have to go through this. But let's, man, this is, this is, okay. I don't even know how, well, I don't even know what to describe this as. But let's continue to listen. Hey, look. I've dedicated my career to helping the workers of this community. Okay. Hi, I'm Rahul. So we get commercials. We get commercials. I'm sorry. I didn't realize they're going to have a commercial in a 20 minute episode. I really didn't know. You got to get those commercials. You know why they have commercials? They have sponsors. You know what they get from sponsors? Money. So guess what? They make money for their podcast. Yeah, that's uh. Everyone deserves access to energy. Everyone and a diverse energy mix is a reliable energy mix. I've got to turn this down a little bit more. Don't want to get in any trouble for playing somebody's uh commercials. All right. I, I mean, I apologize for this. I really didn't think that there was this is one of the dangers of not listening to it in advance. But even if I did, I wouldn't have been able to cut that out. OK, or I could have, but I'd have to do all kinds of work. All right. Man, they got this is a third commercial. Man, this this, this podcast is more commercial. They had two commercials to start. So the first minute was commercials. And then it looks like the middle, that's going to be like two minutes of 20 minutes. That's all commercials. Man, that's, I'm in the wrong business. Let me tell you, I'm in the wrong, wrong business. 
I need to start selling commercials for my podcast. No, I'm joking. Okay, maybe this is going to be three minutes of commercials. What in the world? Okay, okay. isn't this entertaining? Okay. All right, here we go. Here we go. It's got to be done. We're going to get back to the, ho- the horrifying night. Let's Mary recount Joseph. why they're traveling. Caesar had initiated a tax, and the idea was that you had to go back to your hometown and register. Your, your ancestral hometown. So Joseph and Mary were from Nazareth, uh, which is... In the Galilee region, closer to the Galilee region, they had to go to Bethlehem, which is obviously uh, closer to Jerusalem in, in, in Judea, not the Galilee region. And that was their ancestral hometown. Now, it's interesting when we think. Um, what podcast was it again? It's called The uh, Characters of Christmas. The Characters of Christmas. Uh, let's see here. Um let me make sure I've got it. See, I've got people sending me all kinds of things. Where's the email I sent myself? Where's the email I sent myself? Let me find it here. I sent myself the email sometime at midnight. Let me find it. My email box fills up so quickly that I may not be able to find it, but I think it's called the characters of Christmas. Yes. Um, the characters of Christmas by life audio. The Characters of Christmas by Life Audio. Its global rank is in the top 2% of all podcasts. That means, in fact, the way it's written, uh, this podcast is one of the top 2% most popular shows of 2,744,919 podcasts globally. That is absolutely insane. That, that puts it up there like... You're talking, this is high up popular podcast, right? I mean, way, way up there. I mean, we're we're in the top 10%. We're not even like to go from the 10%. I think we're in the 10%. I'd have to look again to see our score. But uh, I mean, we're, we're not even in the same universe as them. But all right, here we go. So he's talking about them traveling. He's offering a little bit of historical context. That's good. Trying to give us where, and Bethlehem is closer to Jerusalem. Okay, good. I, and I'm going to give the, the praise anytime this happens. At the same time, though, I have to make sure you're always aware of this. Pastors are really good at this. If you throw in just a little bit of context, a little bit of history, right? Just throw in a little bit, right? Say, you know, and 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 sometimes it's almost as if the pastors are just reading it. It's like they got the basic information and they just memorized it. And I'll be like, okay, so this is eight miles from here and four miles from here. And the Sea of, of Galilee was here and, and the Jordan was here. And, 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 they, and they make it sound like that. They, they give you all of this like geographical information and I'll throw in a couple of historical, you know, tidbits and it'll be like, wow, he just gave me context. And then uh, you'll be like, oh, that's really good. And then the rest of the sermon is just a complete and utter manipulation of the text. But see, it it, it, it made it feel like that he was giving you context and background because I've had people say, oh, no, my pastor always gives historical context and background. It's, it's good verse by verse teaching. I'm like, OK. And then I'll listen to the sermon. I'm like, he gave you some memorized facts about the geographical region, but you see what he did with the text, but it's almost like it, it lowers everyone's defenses. So I'm not saying you should be super critical, but you need to watch out for that. Okay. So he's giving us some good information, but I mean, that doesn't make up for where this has already been and where it's going. All right, let's continue. 
think about the Christmas story that it brought them to Bethlehem, right? The city of David. Here are two um, children from the line of David, both who are going back to the city of David uh, to register. None of this is coincidental. Uh, This is all in the plan of God to fulfill prophecy. If you think of the prophecy in Micah where it says, but thou Bethlehem Ephrathah, though thou be little among the thousands of Judea, yet out of these shall he come forth, one who is to be ruler in Israel. This obscure prophecy in Micah chapter 5 is coming to pass. I I do have to point this out. We've got less than 13 minutes. (laughs) Now, this whole episode is about the innkeeper. We've got less than 13 minutes, and I don't know anything about the innkeeper other than, according to him, someone had to turn them away based off, he didn't tell me what, anything. Less than 13 minutes, an episode about the innkeeper, and we still don't know anything about the innkeeper. (laughs) You gotta gotta laugh a little bit here, okay? You gotta laugh a little bit. Did Joseph and Mary think about that? Did they know about that as they're traveling? Maybe they did, but all they know is they got to get there and they got to um, register for this tax. They also know that Mary is very well pregnant. Now, we take a lot of trips in our van and our car uh, for vacations. You know, when we were in Chicago, we drove all the way to Texas. It was about 18 hours. Now that we live in Nashville, we, you know, we'll drive to Texas to see Angela's family. My wife's family will drive down to Florida for vacation, or we've driven to Boston, taken a couple of days to get there. And even in, um, with the amenities we have today, air conditioning and heat and DVD players in the car and, you know, places to stop along the way to fill up with, uh, snacks and food and, and coolers that you bring with all your favorite stuff and audiobooks and just creature comforts galore. In the in 21st century America, we still get a little cranky when we're on a trip. When we get there, we kind of want to get things settled down, you know, and kind of relax. Imagine how Joseph and Mary felt. No minivan for Joseph and Mary, probably riding on a donkey, uh, having to carry all their stuff. Um, they come in late at night, um, and there's there's no accommodations in the town. Now, we don't know the inn as Luke describes it what that was like. Some scholars have speculated that um, it could be a cave. Uh, Some speculate it could be a roadside inn, uh, which was common in those days. You think of the parable of the Good Samaritan. There was was kind of a roadside inn there that that parable Jesus would later tell. A couple of things. The inn and the parable of the Good Samaritan, most commentators believe that's completely different than the end mentioned in uh, Luke 2, right? Because it appears in the Good Samaritan, he, he gives money to the innkeeper. He gives money. So that end was a more traditional concept. Uh, the ro- and, and he said that that was a roadside one. I, no, the roadside one would have been possibly the one in Luke 2. So I, I am appreciative that he is throwing out a lot of the different concepts, but Instead of spending all of the time that you've spent doing, I don't know, non, nothing, you could have spent more time actually dealing with all of the different possible views about what the end was and wasn't. Because this is supposedly an episode about the innkeeper. All right. Well, if it's just a, remember, the roadside ones were really just 
like a wall, a roof, and a raised floor. That's it. That's it, all it was. And you just kind of found a spot and then you you just kind of left some food and water there and then you moved on. So I I, I don't, I, okay. I mean, like, and he's not even bothering to go, well, wait a minute, the Greek word here, what is the Greek word in the, in the parable of the Good Samaritan for in? And what is the Greek word here in Luke? If they're, if they are completely separate Greek words, there's a possibility, then they're not even the, talking about the exact same thing. And if they're not talking about the exact same thing, then don't, don't mix the two together. Demonstrate that they're pro- probably separate. Now, you, you could argue about which one is which, but don't try to make them sound like that they're, they're, they're similar. Uh, so, all right. Whole thing is driving me crazy. Well, let's, let's continue. Some people feel it could have been a relative's house. Um, we don't really know. What we do know is that someone was there <laughs> to tell them, hey, we've got no room. Um, I want to focus on this innkeeper a little bit or whoever this person was, whether it's an innkeeper or proprietor of the house, someone had to tell them. And just think about that night. Think about Joseph's feeling. He gets there. His wife is in labor. He's freaked out, right? He's a human being. Now, remember, this is just very important to note, and we could we could spend, I mean, we're almost at an hour again. I'm, I always run out of time. Um, and, and so, so they go to Bethlehem, right, to be taxed with Mary, his espoused wife. This is Luke 2, verse 5, being great with child. And so it was that while they were there, the days were accomplished that she should be delivered. Now, I have not looked this up in a number of translations. I'll just throw this out as hypothesis. To me, it reads, at least in the King James, that they were already there, that they had already arrived and had been there. Then she went into labor. Not that like, oh boy, you're in labor. We got to get there. We got to, we uh, wait, someone, anybody, we, we need a room, we need a room. Okay, it sounds like they were already there. So that, I mean, that, that may take away the drama of it and the emotion of it, but we want to just be accurate. It's not up to us to, to add drama to the story. It's not up to us to try to improve this. Well, you know, guys, this won't make a very good television program or it won't make a very good podcast unless we need to add some drama. You know, it's like uh, reality shows where the producers... Even though it may not be scripted, the producers do everything they can to create as much drama on the show so that we can get a lot of crying, you know, on, well, The Bachelor and, okay, those shows. Don't even get me started. Every time, whenever my daughters would be watching one of those shows, I would walk through the living room like, someone's crying again? Yeah, but you don't know. He broke up and she said this. And I'm like, oh, it's just all manufactured drama. Well, we don't need to do that for the Christmas story. We don't need to manufacture it. All right. I'm not saying the situation was wonderful or great. I'm just saying we just don't need to add to it. Does that make sense? Maybe. Okay. Maybe. Maybe not. All right. Here we go. He's thinking I got to get her somewhere. We got. We got to figure something out. She's about ready to give birth. And in the back of his mind, he's thinking this is the son of God. So even though God promised that this would happen, I can't mess this up. I, I imagine how he's feeling as he's knocking on the door furiously and hoping to you know, wake somebody up to get some accommodations and then being told there's really no more rooms left. <laughs> Again, he's just adding just wild speculation. He's painting the, he's, he's got his paintbrushes out and he's just coloring it all day long. 
He's just frantically knocking on doors. We need a room. We need a room. We need a room. Is that how it went down? Are, are, are you sure that's how it went down? Okay. Uh, I, because I, I, I wasn't there and I don't think this person was there. So wh- where did you get these ideas from? It sounds like they were already there. Now, if they were already there, then it's possible that they were already there and there was an accommodation and they had already found the where the manger, whatever that may have looked like, that's where they may have already been staying. In other words, if it was the guest room, there was there was no place for them in the guest room, that in the upstairs part, there was no place for them, and that Mary and Joseph had already made accommodations in the in the lower part of the house, the first floor of the house, and with the animals, and that's where they had been staying um, because there was no other place for them. It's not that someone turned them away. There was just no other place. If it was a roadside inn, there would, no one turned them away. It's like looking for a parking lot. I can't find one. Okay, well, okay, over here where they keep the animals, right? Okay, there, there's there, we'll, we'll go stay over there. If, if that was the case, like you can't, you can't just make up all of this stuff. You're just adding and adding and adding speculation and speculation and speculation. And you add, the, and it's funny, we always add the speculation that makes the story more dramatic. We always add the speculation to color the story for good storytelling, for the most emotional impact. So that's right there is suspect greatly. There's nothing here. But what, what I also think about this person who greeted them, whether it's an innkeeper or a proprietor, we don't really know. All right. The person listening just made a very interesting observation. Could it have been no room in the guest room for privacy reasons like giving birth? So not like a turnaway. Hey, uh, we're up here in the up, uh, first floor. We have all the people here. Well, this is probably not the best place to give birth. Hey, everyone, go stand back and watch as Mary gives birth. It's going to be fun entertainment for everyone. Okay, yeah, I think it would probably be like, uh, Joseph, you think we could find somebody a little bit more private? I really don't want everyone watching, okay? Yeah, I mean, and again, see, that's speculation. But the point is, it's possible. Like, if you want to throw out speculation, it could have been, hey, there was no accommodation for privacy for giving birth. That, that's possible as well. Uh, oh, and uh, so I think that that's, I think it's a, it's a reasonable question to be asked. It's a reasonable question to be asked. And if you're going, going to speculate, here's the thing. Speculating in that direction doesn't add the same drama as speculating in the other way. We always speculate to make the story more dramatic. And I, I think sometimes, look, we, what we have is the text. That's what we have. And I know sometimes that doesn't make the best sermons, but that's what we have. All right, here we go. We're already at an hour. I I can't let this one go two hours like yesterday. All right, here we go. But we do know that he found room. He found space. And the eventual accommodations that they had, we don't know what they look like. Were they... um, were, were, were they in a room with animals where everybody was? Were they in a cave and a barn, a stable? We don't know. We know that they were very crude. They were not five-star. And you think about 
just the irony of this moment that the son of God, the one who formed and spoke the world into existence, who I don't know where he was recording his podcast, but there's something going on in the background. And I've been there, been I've been through that. That's that's why I that's why I love being here for most of the time. I don't have some crazy stuff going on in the background. So I feel I do feel bad for him here. I do feel bad because I know when you're sitting there talking and you can hear that ba- that stuff in the background, your mind is not even thinking about the words you're saying right now. You're the, you just want to you really what you want to do is turn around and go, hey, hey, I'm trying to do a podcast here. So I, I feel bad. I feel bad for him. I do feel bad for him here. I, I'm, I'm frustrated with this train wreck of a podcast. That's one of the top two percent podcasts in America or in the world. Um <laughs> but I, so I, I'm frustrated that this is supposedly about the innkeeper and we haven't learned one thing about the innkeeper and there's just wild speculation of adding, but I, I do feel bad for him in that particular case. Created human beings with the dust of the ground has no place to lay his head. Jesus would later say had no place to lay his head. Uh, if you and I were writing this script, we would not have put the coming King to be born in a crude cave or stable in a tiny little town. We would not have done that. We would have put him in Caesar's palace in Rome. We would have put him in Herod's. We would have put him with noble people. But this is kind of a message, even in the place where Jesus birthed, a message about the, the Christmas story, a message about the incarnation. It tells us something, that that God has come and the kingdom of God is built really along the poor and the lowly and the common and the ordinary. This is when Jesus came and put on flesh to dwell among humans. He really came to dwell among humans, not among the aristocrats, not among the, the wealthy or the nobles. Not that there's anything wrong with success or wealth or riches or comforts. But Jesus truly came to dwell in and among those who are common and poor. He he literally had nothing. I, I also think about what what was going through the mind of that innkeeper. Um, for him, he didn't know that Joseph and Mary were, that Mary was carrying the son. Hey, I, I wonder what was going through the mind of the innkeeper, the one that we don't know actually existed, the one we don't know had any interaction with anyone named Joseph or Mary. We, we, we don't know. We don't know if this person even exists, but I wonder what was going through the mind of this made up person. I wonder what was going through the mind of this character that I'm making up for my podcast. <laughs> I wonder, I wonder, I, it's like, I wonder what, when, when, when Jesus and, and, uh, or when Mary and Joseph were on their way to, uh, to Bethlehem, I wonder, I wonder what was going on in area 51. Okay. I, I, I mean, I mean, come on. I mean, it's just wild. Like, oh, oh. You've already told us you don't even know if the person existed. So why are you wondering what was going through the mind of someone you don't even know if they existed? Of God, he didn't know. He didn't get a visit from an angel. To him, it was just another couple knocking on the door, needing a place to stay, and he he had to turn him away. But then he, but then he made room for him. He found a way to make room for him. He didn't know that. But just think of, think about this moment here. His life, the life of an innkeeper and anybody else. So he turned them away, but he made room for them. 
Well, if he made room for them, he didn't really turn them away. <laughs> right? I don't understand. I'm turning you away, but I'm making room for you. But I'm turning you away. So I tur- he turned him away or did he make room for them? I, I, I'm really perplexed here. Okay. I, all right. But all right. Now we're going to talk about the life of this made-up character. The life of this made-up character. All right. Here we go. The, uh, this is some really bad stuff. Who is staying at that inn was forever changed. That what they thought was an ordinary night, just another day and another night, was, as Paul describes in Galatians, the fullness of time. All of human history, all of God's salvation history, hinging on this moment. I mean, think about that. What are the stories they would tell those who were there later about what had descended on this inn and on this town? I love what some people throughout church history have written about this. Uh, The church father, Jerome I love what he says about the humility of Bethlehem. He says, the Lord is born on earth and does not even have even a cell in which to be born for there is no room for him in the end. The entire human race had a place and the Lord about to be born on earth had none. He found no room among men. He found no room in Plato, not in Aristotle, but in a manger among beasts of burden and brute animals and among the simple too and the innocent. John Chrysostom writes this. He, he talks about how this crude birth demonstrates Jesus' humanity. To prevent you from thinking that this coming to earth was merely an accommodation and to give you solid grounds for truly believing that this was his real flesh, he was conceived, born, and nurtured. That his birth might be made manifest and become common knowledge, he was laid in a manger, not in some small room, but in a lodging place before numerous people. This was the reason for the swaddling clothes and also for the prophecies spoken long before. The prophecies showed not only that he was going to be a man, but that he would be conceived, born, and nurtured as any child would be. Think of the hymn writers, too, and what they have written about this moment. Um, I love the scene that is painted in the in the wonderful carol, O Little Town of Bethlehem, uh, or Silent Night. What, what an amazing moment that was. And I wish we could hear from the owner of this inn or home or innkeeper later on, right? Like, what was his life like? What was it like to see shepherds from Bethlehem storm into this cave or to this manger scene and um, worship and fall down and worship this baby? What was this like? So I guess the innkeeper, he turned them away. He found accommodations for them. And then he watched. (laughs) He watched everything that happened. He paid close attention. Was he looking out his window going, oh, who's coming in now? <laughs> like, what, what? This is the nosy innkeeper paying attention to what's going on where they keep the animals. He, he must have been, he must have lived rel- relatively very close. His window must have been facing where, where the manger was. So it, it, it had to be pretty close to the, the room of the innkeeper. Yeah, this just becomes wild, just complete speculation. To, to experience that. You think about this, this mystery of God in the flesh, the, the God of the universe dwelling in this most crude of circumstances. Um, what, a, what a beautiful mystery. And yet, for that proprietor of that inn, 
Um, he probably wasn't thinking about that. He wasn't reading the church fathers and he was not humming silent night. It was just another day. Uh, Caesar's census had sent people into his town, but this is how God works. God. He wasn't reading the church fathers. That's that, that would have been a pretty cool trick. <laughs> if he was reading the church fathers, that would have been that you could have possibly said he wasn't reading the, the old Testament scriptures. I don't, I don't know how many church fathers were around when Mary and Joseph were, were in Bethlehem. I, 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 I need to look for those church fathers who were, who were writing at the time. Of Mary. I, I know he probably just misspoke. I do that all the time. So I'm not picking on that. But it was just, this, this whole thing, this, when you start speculating, you, sometimes you, then your speculation just starts go, going completely off the road. But, but okay, I just found that a little bit humorous. All right, here we go. Disrupts us in our ordinary days and moments. God, in the fullness of time, sent Jesus in the middle of a um, very torn and cynical people during a very tumultuous and difficult time among the most ordinary and common folks. And this is how God acts. We think God acts in the big, splashy moments, but he acts in the ordinary times and the ordinary days. This is how God often enters our lives. Consider this. A shepherd boy was busy tending sheep when he was summoned inside, and a priest named Samuel poured oil on his head and whispered in his ear that he'd be Israel's next king. A pagan farmer was minding his herds when God called him to leave everything and take his wife to a land called Canaan. A fallen prince was working the backside of the desert when God appeared in a flaming bush and sent him and told him to go to Egypt. A high-ranking member of the Sanhedrin was on his way to Damascus, putting down this new religious cult when Jesus met him in a blinding light and converted Saul to Paul. You see, few in Bethlehem were ready, anticipating the Son of God to show up on their doorsteps. Certainly not this Hebrew business owner. But what the innkeeper didn't know was that this night was no accident. Caesar's calling of the census, Joseph and Mary's decision to trek back to the ancestral hometown, even the crowded nature of this inn, none of these things in the Christmas story were coincidental. They're all part of God's divine plan to save the world. Caesar did not know, had no idea, when he arbitrarily decided to call a census, that it would be used by God to raise up a true and better ruler. The innkeeper did not know that the cattle trough he dusted off and used to find room for Mary's baby would hold the head of the Son of God. The other travelers that day who just happened to stay at this establishment didn't know they'd be sleeping next to the promised Messiah. And we're kind of tempted with the hindsight of 20 centuries to judge, right? Could the innkeeper not have arranged better circumstances, accommodations for for Jesus? Could he not have given up his own bed for a pregnant woman? But I think before we do that, we should examine our own hearts this Christmas. We, we too often are disrupted by Jesus and are we ready for when he enters our lives? Is there room for Jesus in our lives when he comes knocking? I hope there is for you today. What is disrupting you today in your ordinary day? In what ways is Jesus trying to get your attention and come and dwell in you. What strikes me as is that Jesus made room for those who would not make room for him. We read in John, Jesus say, I go to prepare a place for you. Uh, in the original Greek, that actually means I go to prepare a room for you. In other words, Jesus is making room for those who believe in him. Think about that. 
the one for whom there was no room is making room for you. So I want to encourage you today. Will you embrace Jesus this Christmas? Will you embrace that Son of God, Jesus, the King of the, of the world? Thank you today for joining Oh, man. I, I don't even know what to say. There's a couple of issues there. First of all, in that passage in John where Jesus says, I go to make a room for you. I go to prepare a place for you. Just, just so that you understand that there, there's a lot of discussion about that and that what it could possibly mean, he's like, I'm going to go and prepare a place for you. And the way he's going to prepare a place for them is him going to the cross. He's going and dying so that they have a room in a sense, so that the going prepare of the place is not that the, he's up in heaven right now, you know, sweeping the floor and, you know, you know, cleaning everything up and getting your room ready, that the going to prepare the place was him going to the cross and dying so that you could be saved or, or that you would be saved, depending on your view of the atonement. We, we won't get into particular redemption versus, you know, we, we won't get into all of that. And an, another thing, I do find it interesting. I'll have to end with this. A lot of people go see this whole story about Jesus going to Bethlehem. All of that's because of God's sovereignty. He planned it all. It's his decree. Everything happened right according to plan because everyone loves that story. It's so beautiful and you have the nice little emotional music at the end and he, and he changes his voice a little bit to try to get that emotion going, right? All right? Sounds good. People will listen to that going, oh, that was so good. Of course, he just added and made up all kinds of stuff. But I just find it interesting that we have no problem. Hey, God was in charge. He's the one who worked through the decree. He's the one who got them to Bethlehem. He's the one who even put them in the manger. God set all of this up. It was God's sovereignty. It was God's plan. Let me just read something to you. Then Herod, when he saw that he was mocked of the wise men, was exceedingly wroth and sent forth and slew all the children that were in Bethlehem and and all the coast thereof from two years old and under, according to the time which he had diligently inquired of the wise men. Then was fulfilled that which was spoken by Jeremiah the prophet, saying, And Ramah was there a voice heard, lamentation and weeping and great mourning, Rachel weeping for her children, and would not be comforted, because they are not. We love God's sovereignty in the beautiful little picture of Mary and Joseph in the manger. Do we at the same time embrace God's sovereignty and his providence and his decree when babies are being killed and slaughtered? Something to at least consider. I know that's not popular, but it's just interesting. Like, see, God's Perfect plan was working out. He was in control of everything. He was in charge of this and he may, they didn't understand what they were doing, but God was working through all of it. Well, if God's sovereignty is in that part of the story, is it not in the other part of the story? But you can't mention the other part of the story and God's sovereignty or, well, then everyone will get mad at you and you'll probably not be a pastor anymore. Uh, you have to then view that God wasn't sovereign or in charge of that. So, We'll end with this. Every year, at this, at, at pretty much this time of year, it, it happens at other times of the year as well, but especially around Christmas, there is a tendency for everyone to tell the story of Jesus, of Mary and Joseph of Bethlehem, 
all of that and we get our paintbrushes out and we paint and we paint and we paint. And when we're finally done with the painting, it doesn't look anything like the biblical text. It looks completely different. Now, I understand that I, that I, that it's dangerous when you when you critique some of these things that you can create in your listeners a spirit a very critical spirit that they they want to you know every oh you didn't cross that t you didn't dot that i and all every sermon you listen to you just rip apart and rip apart and rip apart i don't want to create that kind of attitude i don't want you to be that way always this is what you always have to do. I don't care where the sermon is preached, what it's preached. Get as much from it as you can. Be grateful and thankful that someone is standing in a pulpit and preaching God's word. At the same time, have your discernment on. Listen, take and 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 get all the positive you can. And where there is deviation and wrong, please note it in your notes. And then depending on your relationship with the person preaching in private, say, hey, I got a question. Not in an accusatory way. I got a question. You said this. So, so what do you think about this? Or what do you think about that? Or, 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 or what do you know, know about this? Ask in a questioning way, not like, you got it wrong. But you ask it in a questioning way. It lets the person know that you're listening and that you are looking for accuracy. And in many cases, it may challenge them to go back and look at it. And they won't get defensive. And then you may actually be the source of helping improve the preaching and not just be the source of causing trouble. So, and don't make it, and don't make it obvious to everyone in the church that you disagree with everything. Just grab your notebook, just write down some notes. Oh, okay, I don't know about this, don't know about this. Foc- continue to focus on what's being preached, right? Just make a quick note. You, you, you got to have the right balance because you can turn into, oh, you got that wrong, 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 you got that wrong. You don't want to be that person. But at the same per- time, you don't want to be the person going, oh, wasn't that so beautiful? That wasn't that so awesome? We just created a dumpster fire for the Christmas story. Isn't that great? And I, no, you don't want to be, <laughs> you don't want to be, hey, praising it. You, you got to find that proper balance. But this time of year, I don't know what you're, you guys will be doing, the people listening. and uh, I don't know what you'll be doing Christmas Eve or Christmas Day. But if you're in church, try to have the right spirit, but have your discernment on because who knows what you will hear or see. And m- much of it will not be the actual Christmas story as found in Luke or in Matthew. It will be something created by man for the purpose of having a sermon or having an emotional little Christmas Eve service so that everyone leaves with those warm Christmas feelings that you get from watching Hallmark movies. And they've got to get a little bit of that going on in the church as well. And uh, that's not the way things should be done. All right. I'm sorry that took so long. I always appreciate you guys being patient with me when I go long, but I did not want to break this into multiple episodes. So I hope that was beneficial. Will, you created the problem. But thank you, because we needed to talk about it. And uh, I, I I just know that if that's one of the top 2% podcasts in the world, I probably should just quit and retire because I'm never going to be there. I just, I, what, what was so good about that? I don't even understand that. So you draw your own conclusions. We'll know. Thank you. Well, we got a lot more work to do on Luke chapter two, but I'm grateful that we, we are able to take the time to address some of these 
really, I wanted to look up the Greek and do some of that work for you, but that's your work. Go work on it. Luke 2, N, look up the Greek word, look up where the word N is used elsewhere. Are there different Greek words? Just everything you can find out so that you for yourself can have a, actually a good picture of what the N was and wasn't, what the manger was and wasn't, so that you don't fall prey for this kind of, and almost, I hate to say it, emotional manipulation where you're creating a story that has nothing to do with the actual biblical text. That is what we cannot tolerate, but we just need to make sure in our lack of toleration for it, we handle ourselves in a godly way. There you go. You can email me newsif at yahoo.com, newsif at yahoo.com. That's newsif at yahoo.com. Thanks for listening. I should be back on the air shortly. I'm going to try to do a couple of things uh, before I head back home for this Wednesday. All right, God bless.